Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crypto News Podcast. We are buzzing as always. And today, my guest is coming in hot from the one and only Flo Rida, but he is a fellow Canadian like myself. Always love having a fellow Canadian on the pod. Today, we have John Trask, the CEO and founder of Demetra, who has been working with blockchain since 2017. Prior to founding Demetra, John had an extensive career in building and developing enterprise software solutions to revolutionize supply chain processes and improve immutable traceability. A true expert in the field, he is also founder and CEO of Blockchain Guru and a partner with the Blockchain Training Alliance. John's mission is now to increase farming connectivity, which we freaking love, particularly with those disenfranchised across the globe and to leverage the power of innovative tech to bridge farming and technology. This is the first episode we've ever had on blockchain and farming tech, and I can't wait to get into it. John, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me here today, man. Super pumped to have you on. I think a good place to start before the before we got on here, you and I were just shooting the shit a little about where you grew up. You grew up in Nova Scotia, and unless you live in Northeast USA, give or take around Maine, Boston, or unless you're Canadian, not a lot of people know about Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia, I got a lot of family from Nova Scotia as well. My family grew up in Truro, a very, very small town whose economy is pretty much all farming as well. Not too far away from Dalhousie, one of the best unis. And uh, I mean, what a treat that place is. We'll get into that later. But I'd love if you could just tell the listeners what, the, what it was like growing up in Nova Scotia, maybe a bit of the small town vibes um, and how incredible that place is. Because I absolutely love that place. It's a little little island of heaven uh, on the east coast on the atlantic coast of canada yeah i mean i i loved growing up in nova scotia it's uh the area i grew up in is the the south southern tip of nova scotia um very based on agriculture and fishing um the town i was in was a, a major fishing village and uh, every type of fish you can think of tuna lobster um lots of fresh fish every day and uh, and I spent a lot of time growing up on my grandfather's farm, so cattle farming and uh, blueberries and and then just about anything we needed. Um, you know, the biggest city in Nova Scotia was four hours away from there, yeah. um, and and still quite a small city, but city by world standards. Um, but a great place to grow up um, on the farm is was a lot of fun for me. And, you know, we would ride and, and we would take care of the livestock and take care of the vegetables. And, and uh, you know, it's an interesting environment. So uh, I would recommend anybody to visit Nova Scotia. I would recommend it in the summer, though. It can get quite cold. Yes. yes. How good is the seafood in Nova Scotia? Every time I go, I, I'm, and I'm a big protein guy. I love protein. Every single meal I eat, it's always protein packed. I try to get my, you know, 180 grams a day, one pound for every body weight, give or take, ideally more than that. When I'm in Nova Scotia, I am guzzling protein. The It's got to be some of the best fish in the whole world there. Well, you know, it, fresh does a lot for fish. So, you know, yeah. it uh, certainly helps with the, the flavor and it's abundant in Nova Scotia. Uh, the area I grew up in is virtually completely built around and fishing and farming. So a lot of fresh food every day. Um, you know, my favorite is is good tuna. 
lots of oh, tuna fishermen where I where I'm from. So good. And get some nice sized tuna steaks. So not tuna from a can, although they make that there too. Yeah. And uh, and then you know even where I am here in Florida, it's it's great. I had grouper last night for supper. Um, we were out on a dock walking, my wife and I, and and uh, they were the guy on the side of the dock frying up grouper. Oh, Caught that day. So. You can't beat it. <laughs> can't, love can't food, beat. You probably get that in Mexico too. No, the seafood in Mexico is very good. It's a lot cheaper too. I mean, depending on where you go, you got to go to the uh, the grittier, more authentic Mexican joints. But um, shout out El Pirata, one of the places down here. I mean, you get a, a literally a, a full plate full of octopus, uh, garlic octopus with some rice and beans and tomatoes and carrots and, you know, lettuce. It's absolutely incredible. And it's like, you know, 12 bucks American, like back home in Toronto. I mean, that's that's a, literally a $50, $60 plate for the amount of octopus you're getting. So pros of living in Mexico. But let's let's get into Demetra here. Why did you and the team decide to start this? Farmers all over the world always, 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 you hear two sides of the story and you really only hear two. You hear about the small farmers who don't have the tech, don't have the resources and barely do what they need to, to keep their family fed, to keep food on the table, to keep everything afloat. And then you hear about these multinational conglomerate farmers, which I honestly wouldn't even call them. They're still farmers, yes, at the end of the day. But these are massive, massive organizations that are pumping out just a, a stupendous amount of, um, of food and, and other things for us to eat and consume. Why did you and the team decide to start Demetra. Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons that factored into it. First, I I grew up on a farm, um, spent a lot of time on my grandfather's farm. I left in my teens and and went on and got into tech business and supply chain business and worked in that for a number of years. Um, a lot of my background in in tech and and in supply chain was with food companies. Uh, they they make a very large percentage of, of the world's supply chain. Um, trillions of dollars of, of food are transacted around the world. And, and so I ended up working for a lot of super national, multinational corporations, um, moving food and small organic startups. Um, so a, a wide variety of exposure there. Uh, I did a project um, probably six, six years ago now um, where I was asked to build an identity system to manage businesses and manage farmers in Africa and put that on a blockchain. Um, so we did that quorum project. And shortly after doing that, I ended up going to DRC, uh, got to go and visit um, at a conference and, and see some of the countryside there. Some of the people that we were working with uh, were heavily involved in agriculture and started really seeing some of the disparity between agriculture in Africa and agriculture in, in Canada, per se. And, and saw that there was a real need and, and things that we considered easily available and basic on farms in Canada, farmers were not using in Africa. Um, Part of it was availability, part of it was price, part of it was language and, and technological accessibility. And, and we felt maybe we could do something about that. So 
using our, our network. We started looking for other opportunities to expand upon the, the identity software that we built. And, and we started building out what became the foundation of Demetra. And the foundation of Demetra was really how do we change the lives for smallholder farmers and, and smallholder farmers in the food industry, um, is a very large percentage of the world's population, just under 10% of the world's population. They're very underserved from a tech perspective, but they are not financially rich. As you mentioned, a lot of them are really just focused on feeding their family and and selling food into the community. And, and what I knew working for some of the multinationals is that we could start bridging some of those gaps and, and take, uh, you know, I'll give you an example on a project we're doing in Kenya right now, take some of those small farmers and be able to move their product out of country um, and get them significantly more money for their product. But to do that, they need traceability. They need to meet all the regulatory standards. They need um, satellite reports in order to tell if they're deforesting their farm or not. And they do all the right things, but if you can get them that, we can take a, an avocado that maybe they get 30 cents a kilo for and get them a dollar fifty a kilo. And, and so that makes a significant difference in their life. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a work of joy for us finding ways to help farmers. And we do that through working with cooperatives and governments in, in many of these countries. And, uh, and, you know, I, I wake up with a smile on my face every day. I work, wake up happy to, to help and, and serve the community and, uh, and work with, work with all these great people around the world. I love that. You got to walk us through Demetra as a whole and the solutions that you guys are providing. Um, and I'd love if you could bring up some use cases as well. I'd love to get into the avocado quality meters as well. I know you just sort of touched on that, but I love if you can go into the full story of that. Give me the whole sort of TLDR, too long, didn't read the whole, the whole secret sauce on what exactly you guys are doing and some of the success stories of how you've helped and continue to help underprivileged farmers across the globe. Yeah. So, you know, right off the bat, our Demetra starts with a mobile application. Farmers in the world, uh, particularly in developing countries, have access to phones, but don't typically have laptops or, or PCs. Um, so we have an Android app, and in the Android app, we deliver a, a number of components and, and applications. I think we have five or six, six applications now. Um, so we have two of them focused on livestock. One of them is focused on um, what does a farmer need to do to manage their cattle and have traceability and manage the health of their cattle and the feed for their cattle and, and do that well? We have a government application that works on uh, genetics. So how do you manage the genetics of the greater herd within a country? That's so and, cool. <laughs> and so we do genetic analysis and uh, provide feedback on how, you know, a farm or a, a breeder can mate a certain bull with a certain heifer and produce better results. So, so in the end, just like hockey players, you know, if you're, if your dad was a big hockey player and, and your mom was, was athletic, you know, potentially some of yeah. those genes pass on to you. 
and and you can make decisions um, from a breeding perspective. There are health issues that exist in cattle, and so we can identify animals that pass those health issues on and take them out of the breeding program. We can mm-hmm. identify, you know, the large bull that has uh, a very large um, section that produces some of the best cuts, your, your, your prime ribs and, and things yeah. like that. And some of those traits actually pass on genetically. Um, you can identify cattle who produce more milk than others and or give birth easier. And making decisions, we can statistically and with our AI um, make recommendations that will increase the productivity of the herd um, from a health perspective and from a, a productivity perspective. So we have those two applications. And, and then we have connected farmer and offshoots of that have been connected coffee and connected cacao. And essentially what those start with is um, a farmer gets in the app, they draw a little geofence around where their farm is, and we start right away with satellite imagery. We take a picture with many satellites um, and apply analysis to that. We have over 20 reports that we can generate that help us assess the, the quality of the land, the quality of the crop, um, what crops they're growing, um, how much moisture there is, certain deficiencies that might exist from a growth perspective. And we give that suite of reports to the farmer. And we point out areas on their land that are good and are bad that they might be able to do something about if they increase the amount of fertilizer they're using, if they manage their water differently, um, if they install irrigation to certain areas that are that are lacking. Um and some of that is known. Farmers know their land quite well. And some of that is just complete rocket science to them. So, it, you know, you got to spend some time teaching them how to use that information in right. order to increase the productivity of their land. Once they grow the crop, then we start to track and trace. So I'll give you an example. Solok Rajo in um, Indonesia is one of our cooperatives. 3,300 farmers um, on the south side of the mountain in Sumatra, all with coffee farms. And so we start with the satellite report and then we do some soil analysis. We know by the soil analysis that um, their soil is not pH rich. And if we can increase the pH by using calcium carbonate, we can increase their output. In some cases, we can triple or quadruple their output for a small investment. So then there's ways we use to raise funds to help them fund that. Again, a lot of these farmers only make a few thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So when you talk about a $500 investment, it's, it's quite big for them. Yeah. So within the connected farmer suite, um, we actually sell NFTs and we do that cooperative by cooperative and, and government by government. And those NFTs go to fund farming projects and the NFT owners get to have a percentage ownership in that farm's product. So cool. So, so we're working on one in, in uh, Kenya last year. And so we did all our, all of our PO, POC. We set everything up. We um, 
started planting trees for $50. An individual could buy a tree, um, own 20% of the output of that tree from a farmer. We got all the stuff they needed, fertilizer and crew and windbreak and, and everything they needed for that avocado tree to be successful. Went out on these farms and planted those trees with farmers. The farmers made agreements to uh, share the revenue as those trees start producing. So real world assets at a, at a very micro level. Yep. And, and essentially we're going through the regulatory process now in, in Kenya to be approved to do this on a very large scale. The goal is to do a million trees. Um, and avocados was the first crop. Um, so the, the thousand trial, thousand tree trial went really well. The thousand trees were, were sold almost instantly. And, uh, and now, so we're t- continuing to plant trees. And when the regulatory comes through, um, we will expand wholeheartedly in East Africa. We're, we're doing the same thing now in uh, Haraima, Brazil, which is one of the states of Brazil. It's in the north. It's in the Amazon region. And they want to grow more uh, cacao, which produces chocolate. They want to grow more acai and, uh, and more fruit. And so the state government with Abrafrutas, which is the Brazilian National Fruit Association, they manage 75% of the exports. And Sabrai, which is a small business organization in Brazil, with Demitra, we've made a partnership signed a contract and, and we're going out and we're doing that. We're going to be fundraising initially to plant cacao trees in Haraima. We're going to take this all over Brazil and it'll be the same scenario. How do you get the world to invest in Brazilian crops? And so this is really focused not on the big ranchers. It's focused on small farmers, somebody who has yeah. an acre, four or five acres, and they want to grow their farm. You know, in, in Kenya, you can put a hundred avocado trees on an acre. You can take a, a farmer who's making four or $5,000 a year to making $50,000 a year in five years. And so it changes their world. It eliminates, you know, the, the hunger problem. They have money to buy food. They have some of their own avocados as well all the avocado toasts they want. You know, it's interesting with farmers, they instantly go out and help their community. They're very cooperative based. Yeah. So, you know, they may grow seedlings to help the farm down the road. Right. So everybody prospers from that perspective. The crypto investors make a a good return. It's not a short-term return. Farming is not a short-term gain. It is a long-term business looking for long-term investors. So you got to find the right crypto investors who want to have something in their portfolio that that is long-term with long-term returns. And then, you know, we'll be expanding this around the world in the, in the coming years. We're working now in over 20 countries. We have sales teams and, and projects in over 70 countries, but we have actual producing projects right now in over 20 countries and probably about 40 projects. So it's 
pretty exciting going through that. I know my answer was very long-winded. No, I love that. That's incredible. I love how you guys are actually helping, you know, the average Joe and Josephine. I, uh, I can't even tell you how much I love that. I'd love if you could talk a bit about how you guys are using advanced tech like IoT to allow farmers to measure the quality of their produce, more specifically the avocados. The one thing that really interested me was the IoT avocado quality meters. Um, again, no farming background from this city boy. Um, I'd be toast on a farm. I mean, I'm sure if I had you know my grandpa or someone like you to walk me through it, I could do it. But if you were to just throw me on a farm and say, all right, Matt, you know, figure your shit out. I I wouldn't be able to produce anything. Um, I mean, you know, I've I've grown a couple couple fruits and and veggies in my day on on the back porch or in the backyard, but nothing spectacular. And uh, this is just something that that really intrigues me. I'd love if you could talk about uh, again how you guys are using really advanced tech like IoT uh, and how the IoT avocado quality meters allow farmers to really measure the quality of their avos, increase output, and and give a better product to their consumers. Yeah. So the first thing we do is we use a 7-1 meter um, that measures um, some of the nutrients in the ground. Uh, and and that feeds data back to our system. And that can help make recommendations on how to fertilize the ground in order to maximize their output and keep their, their plants or their trees healthy. When the avocados are grown, um, avocado quality is critical to manage when you pick and that you pick at the right time. Imagine a lot of these avocados are are being loaded on a boat and they're and they're being sent, you know, to Europe or, or North America from other areas of the world. I think everybody who eats avocados has gone to the store and gotten an avocado and some of them are rock hard. Yeah, you gotta wait a couple of days. And, and then you gotta wait for them to ripen. But some of them are rock hard and never stop being rock hard. Yeah. And, and that's one indicator that it was picked at the wrong time. So there's a certain quality standard within avocados. And we use a, a number of meters that look at the ripeness and hardness and dry matter content within an avocado to determine that it's being picked at the right time and it's of the right quality. One of the advantages of using those meters is that we have the data to help give recommendations to the farmer. But secondarily, now we have the data to give to the consumer, the the grocery chain that's buying it or the importer that's buying Mm. it. And so they now know if they're buying from this small farmer in Kenya that they're getting a good quality product. And you can test every load. So they can film with a camera that they're out there testing the load that's going to wherever the Middle East or, or the EU and showing those results. And then we can give a comprehensive report to that group to say, yeah, you had, you ordered uh, 50,000 kilos of avocados and we tested, you know, 1% of those or half of half a percent of those. And here's the range of results we got. And that should be indicative of the range of results that you get in your load. And, and that really helps us work with the farmer and, and get them that additional revenue, get them that dollar fifty a kilo versus the 30 cents a kilo they might be able to get locally. So cool. So freaking cool here, John. We got to take a quick break and uh, we got to give a huge shout out to our sponsors of the show. And when we get back, we are going to keep buzzing on everything, Demetra, blockchain and Web3 tech and how 
they help the farming and agricultural industry. Until then, huge shout out to Prime XBT, longtime friends of CryptoNews.com and longtime sponsors of the Crypto News podcast. We love the team at Prime XBT as they offer a robust trading system for both beginners and professional traders. It doesn't matter if you're a rookie or a vet, you can easily design and customize your layouts and widgets to best fit your trading style. Prime XBT is also running an exclusive promotion for listeners of the Crypto News podcast. Use the promo code CryptoNews50, that is CryptoNews50, all one word, to receive 50% of your deposit credited to your trading account. Again, that is CryptoNews50, CryptoNews50, all one word, to receive 50% of your deposit credited to your trading account. I want to keep buzzing on, obviously, Demetra as a whole, but one of the things I'd love to get into is how you guys utilize blockchain as a whole. I know there's tons of sort of web two. I mean, the agricultural industry is one of the largest in the world. Just hearing you talk about some of these stories and me going to you know the supermarket, or you know sometimes I go to some of the smaller um, mom and pop food shops here in Mexico and grab some of the avocados. And again, in Mexico, the avocados are 10 out of 10. You Haas avocados, they're ripe 24-7. You don't even have to wait. It's incredible. But these are the small things I take for granted, where I never think about all the work that the farmers and the supply chain and the truckers and everyone else put into this. I just walk my lazy ass over to the supermarket, throw a couple of pesos down, and boom, I get my literal perfect avocado to come back and and then destroy, you know, on my kitchen table. I'd love if you could talk about blockchain and web3 tech and how you guys utilize those two pieces of tech in particular. You talked a lot about the IoT avocado quality meters, how you guys are integrating pieces of tech to make sure that the soil is rich in pH, to make sure the supply chain to help increase yield. But what about the blockchain in particular? Obviously, some type of you know of ledger I, I assume is used. It's much easier to trace and track. But I'd love for you to give sort of specific examples of how blockchain tech is used in Dimitra's tech stack. So there's a number of ways. I mentioned the the NFT, the buy a tree NFT. So, yeah, so we cool. use we use that, and so you know very simply issue NFTs when anybody buys a tree or or a large number of trees. There's a relationship back to the satellite data so that NFT holder can go back and look at how their their tree or group of trees are doing. You know, we feed that with our our token, the Demetra token. Um, so all NFTs are are purchased in DMTR or our treasury does a a conversion to purchase them in DMTR if somebody wants to buy a tree for their their girlfriend with their credit card. And then there's a number of other ways that we use the system. So from a blockchain perspective, traceability is an area in the world with a lot of fraud. And there's a lot of reason fraud exists. There's big numbers, big dollars are moving. And knowing the provenance of your fruit or vegetable is very important. So when you pack up a load of, and we'll stick with the avocado theme, back up a load of avocados, you want to know where those are from. And consumers want to know um, where their produce is from and that if it's meeting certain requirements, certain environmental standards, um, sustainability standards, deforestation standards, and regulations. So one way we use blockchain is um, we have a deforestation application. 
our users, our, our cooperatives and our governments use this, as well as large corporations and coffee and cocoa and, and other areas of the world to evaluate a farm, the source farm, and to see if that farm has deforested. There's some new laws coming out in the EU. They're, they're already out. Farms need to comply by the end of this year on seven major commodities, coffee and cocoa are two of them that we do a lot of business in. And you will no longer be allowed to ship coffee or cocoa from a small farm anywhere in the world into the EU if the farm has been deforested. So when we do that, we produce a deforestation certificate. We look, the EU had set a rule saying no deforestation after the end of 2020. So we take a historical satellite report of that farm at that time. We take a current satellite report of the farm and we've trained our AI to evaluate the differences and follow the rules of deforestation, not just the EU rules, but the local country rules and produce a report that says the farm is free of deforestation or the farm has deforested during that period. If it's free of deforestation, we take that data, some so the source data from the satellite network, the analysis data, and the location data, and we write that to the blockchain. So we're doing that right now with Polygon. And so we create a public record, but an immutable record that that farm at a certain date and time was deforestation free. That farmer can share that record with whoever they're selling their avocados to. They can give that to the customs authority in the EU to show that they're deforestation free. They buy their credits in DMTR for that. And on some of the initial projects right now, some of those credits come in, we have to pay the satellite fees, we have to pay the filing fees. But then we file all of that data, we write it to Polygon and, and it's all managed with DMTR. We've done this with other blockchains as well. Right now we're doing an integration with Open Food Chain, another blockchain food company, and they want their data on Komodo. So we're doing a Komodo integration right now. So, you know, Bitcoin-based system in order to uh, provide some of the similar information around that. Uh, this project is uh, a cocoa project. It's running in Peru and Colombia. And so we take our data, we process it in our application. It goes to the cloud. We write it to Polygon. We write it to Komodo. Um, we also write the sales information. So part of this is a EU project in order to uh, increase the value paid to farmers. So we monitor when the trade between the farmer and whoever is buying the product, the price, and then we compare that to make sure that they're earning more for that deforestation-free product that meets that and, and certain other regulations. That way more money gets back to the farmer as opposed to being preserved later on in the supply chain. The supply chain gains comfort that they have proof that that cocoa, which is going into your, your hot chocolate or your chocolate bar is deforestation free and, you know, lacking child labor and, and things like that. So cool. John, what an episode, man. This, uh, 
You sort of lit a fire under my ass here. You guys are really, really doing incredible things for people who need it. Um, and and I, I really love that. Um, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on. Can't wait to have you on for round two. Um, super happy and proud for what you and the team are doing. And can't wait to see what you guys keep cooking up. Uh, before you let us go, can you please let our listeners know where they can find you personally and Demetra online and on socials? Yeah, so I don't know if we can post something that goes on here. I can give you a list of those, but uh, Demetra.io is our website. And in the top right corner of Demetra.io, there is a info bar that shows all of our other socials. So um, we've got many of them. Well, uh, folks, we will include all the links in the show notes as always. And on Twitter, you can find them at Demetra Tech. That is D-I-M-I-T-R-A, Demetra Tech, T-E-C-H, all one word. Uh, great Twitter as well. John, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, truly a treat of an episode and uh, can't wait to have you on for round two. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on here today. Thank you. What a blast, folks. What an episode with John Trask, CEO and founder of Demetra. We don't often get episodes where we have founders literally moving the needle for people who really, really need them. And this was one of them. Huge shout out to John and the team for making this happen. If you guys enjoyed this one, and I hope you did, please do subscribe. It would mean the world to my team and I. Speaking of the team, love you guys so much. Eustace, you are the man. And back to the listeners, love you guys. Keep on growing those bags and keep on staying healthy, wealthy, and happy. Bye for now, and we'll talk soon.